Hey, welcome back. This week on the Neat Poor Podcast, uh, we unpack a bit of Kansas City history with uh, Jay Rieger and Co. Uh, Kansas City Whiskey. It's an unusual story and super fun. I hope you guys enjoy. All right, and we're live, baby. Hey, uh, welcome back to the Neat Poor. Nick is here. Shalanda's here. What's cracking, Shalanda? I'm just here drinking. Hey, man, um, per usual. Shalanda, this is the Kansas City Whiskey uh, po- episode of the podcast. Is that what it is? I'm going back to... No, that's Michael Jackson going back to Indiana. My bad. Yeah, uh, but he does have a song about Kansas City. You know, um, who, what do we know about Kansas City? You know, uh, Centric Styles is down there. You know, he's the uh, he's the he's the male version of Plucky. What's Plucky's real name? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you follow uh, that account? I don't. Yeah, he's the male version of Plucky. You see his face in every in every picture. Um, shout out to Captain the Cork. For, oh uh, yeah. So wait, okay, let me let me shout out my my, my Twitter people. So Captain the Cork, who sent um, a package, um, we were. Exchanging some vinyl, which I know I gotta send yours off. So he sent me the Barcades vinyl okay. and um, some beer from Martin City, and then he put this bottle of Rieger in there. And I cannot overlook my homeboy Nigel. You know, we were on that show. Oh yeah, I had a blast with them on that pod. Beer, yeah. beer, beers with Nigel. Yeah, beers with Nigel. Yeah. So Nigel had actually sent me a bottle first, but good old Chicago Mail. Got lost in the system. It's probably sitting in the fucking hub somewhere. It just never made it to me. And I wasn't expecting for uh, this bottle and this mail and this uh, bourbon beer package mail, but it's pretty dope. So I want to thank my two awesome KC uh, Twitter followers. And I was just on a uh, podcast, uh, Bitches Something, I can't remember. Bitches Gotta Eat. No, there is a there is a bar called Bitches Gotta Eat. No, so if you guys are listening to this podcast, please forgive me because I was just on that podcast. Oh, with the shit, something like that. <laughs> oh, excuse you, Nick. But anyway, so yeah, Kansas City been popping off. I've never been to Kansas City, so yeah, man. Um, the it sits Kansas City sits in uh on the border of that river, so I think part of it is in Missouri, part of it is in Kansas. And I was giving uh, Cedric Styles shit earlier, but I never told you this. I saw him in a Scotch Porter ad for his beard because he's got a proper, he's got a beard beard. He's your beard crush. He's he's my beard crush. So, I'm going to put that out you know, there. My shit's a little. Cedric Styles. My shit's still coming in, but Cedric Styles got a beard beard. So I, if I had his beard, I'd probably be in every picture too. But Whatever. You know. I, you've had it and you cut it off and then you, whatever. It's That's true. Like, whatever. But it's the Kansas City whiskey episode. We've got Jay. Rieger and Company, Kansas City Whiskey on the show. All right, so y'all know uh, Nick has done extensive homework, so which means our liquor historian is going to take over, and I'm just going to be over here drinking and talking shit. As well, usual. You know, this is an interactive show. I will say this though: um, cheers to the aforementioned folks that we talked about, uh, because this actually had me unearth a uh, a visit to Lawman and Eagle that I never actually published from 2017 because. You know, I sat in on a seminar for the Jay Rieger and Co. Um, brand. So they talked about, let me see if I got this right. They talked about gin. They talked about Cafe Amaru. And, uh, you know, they didn't want to be, no, they knew they wanted to do whiskey. So they came out with those, uh, they came out with those products first. They talked about the Kansas City whiskey and they talked about the monogram whiskey. Mm-hmm. All right. So what we have today is a Kansas City whiskey, Shalanda, extra fine, 92 proof, KC, Missouri. 
No. I'm going to read the back of the bottle for you because I don't feel like we do that shit enough. We need to start at ground zero. Founded in 1887, Kansas City, Missouri. Jacob Rieger and Company was uh, one of the largest makers of fine quality spirits in the Midwest. They were forced to close due to prohibition. So it took 95 years to perfect the resurrection of this iconic brand. Um, Our Kansas City whiskey is pre-prohibition style. It's a whiskey consisting of corn, malt and rye with a trace amount of dry sack 15 year Oloroso Especial Sherry. So Mm. let me uh, let me break that down for you a little bit. Um, This is a product that is uh, it pays homage to the rectifiers, essentially. Right. So if I got this right. This is a uh, a blend of three different whiskeys, a nine-year-old light corn whiskey, um, a five-year-old straight whiskey, straight rye, and then a four-year-old bourbon. So they take those and then they uh, they blend in 2% of a sherry, uh, a sherry, a 15-year-old sherry. So this is the most bizarre shit I've ever heard of in my life. Let's start there. Okay. Um, but when we drink it. I'm getting licorice vibe. Yeah, Shalanda mentioned licorice right on the right on the nose, and then I had to agree with her. And then I get, um, you know, I get kind of candy walnuts. It's American whiskey. It's not bourbon, right? Because you know you can't add anything to bourbon. So and they add sherry whiskey to this or sherry wine to this. Um, one of the reasons they add sherry wine is because the original uh, Jay Rigger and Co. They were on the books. They found a, sh- a sales sheet when they resurrected this brand maybe 10 years ago. They found a, s- a sales sheet where they had like ordered over 100 bottles of sherry from from fucking Spain. And um, they wanted to know why that was. The original uh, the original Rieger had over 100 different brands. Um, this was a, the top selling brand, the bourbon or the whiskey. Um, but the sherry was there too. So this is, uh, and we'll, we'll get into the story here real quickly. I'm going to have another sip first. So. <sighs> we got some dead air. Is that so? Oh, okay. So this is, I got some wine coming in at it. Shit, I've been drinking all day. So yeah, yeah, it is what it is at this point. But for me, um, like I said, I got some licorice vibes. It's, uh, wow, that's really good, man. It's nutty. It's licorice but then it's also got... A little bit of the deep cherry, kind of mm-hmm. like you would from from a sherry wine, and then um, it's not too hot. Mm-hmm. It's just very pleasant. I'm actually very surprised by this. Oh, so good is the uh, oh so good is, is is the tagline. So this is what I know about Rieger, right? Um, Kansas City, or actually the state of Kansas, and when Shalana and I talked about this earlier. They passed prohibition almost 38 years before uh, national prohibition. National prohibition was about 19, uh, you know, 13 or whatever. Um, and they they passed prohibition about 40 years before that. So since this Kansas City sits on two in two states, people in Kansas just went to the other side of the city and said, fuck it, we're just going to drink over here. So they had what's called the wettest bar in the world, you know, and um, they had this distillery, you know, uh, Jay Rieger and Co. around 1887. So Jay Rieger actually benefited a lot from the fact that <laughs> liquor was banned in the state of Kansas and everybody fled to his part of uh, Kansas City and Missouri to to drink to drink booze. Right. So uh, basically he uh, they were smart as hell because they saw that Union Station was right there. So they built a hotel and mm-hmm. they, they basically built a hotel 
not because they were into hospitality, but because they wanted a vehicle to promote the whiskey that they were selling. So, you know, they had the hotel. And if you look at all the windows in the hotel, it was all these products that they sold. And then on the side of the hotel was this huge 25 foot, you know, tribute to Monogram, which was their top selling whiskey at the time. Mm -hmm. Now, along comes Prohibition in 1913 and wipes everything out. Um, So, you know, fast forward about 90 years um, there's a guy working as a bartender in that union station. Mm-hmm. He decides he wants to break out and go solo. So he opens a, uh, a bar and a restaurant across the street from union station in the old Rieger hotel. <laughs> now at the time it was just a, uh, you know, it was just a rundown hotel. It was just a rundown building. It wasn't even called a hotel no more, um, in Kansas city. So he builds out this Rieger and as he's finding old, you know, artifacts and pictures and all this stuff about the old Rieger just to decorate his place. He stumbles across the fact that it wasn't just a hotel. It was actually a distillery. And since he's from Kansas City, you know, this kind of stuck with him. So he ended up uh, opening another bar called uh, Manifesto. Mm -hmm. This is uh, Ryan Maybe. uh, Manifesto became one of the top bars in the country. It was a speakeasy kind of inspired by like the Violet Hour here in Chicago. Uh, oh, so anyway, um, while he's making uh, making headway with the Rieger restaurant and with this uh, with this cocktail bar, um, you know, a guy from the original Rieger family befriends him, you know, tells him more stories about the brand, gives him more artifacts about the brand. And then ultimately they decide after a two year conversation to relaunch the whiskey. And that's what we have before us. We have the Kansas City whiskey um, from Jay Rieger and Co. That was uh, rebranded almost uh, like over 100 years uh, after it originally launched in Kansas City. So um, there's more to it, but I think that's the gist of it. And there you have it, folks. Our resident liquor historian, as usual. I don't know if I like that phrase, by the way. Why not? It fits you. It suits you. You are our liquor historian. But, I mean, this is a, a slice of Kansas City history that was uncovered by a guy who was nominated three times as a James Beard Award semifinalist, right? That um, was basically be- uh, became obsessed with this idea that he had to launch his brand. And everyone thought he was nuts mm-hmm. until he actually did it. Um, so, you know, along with DJ Rieger, we've actually got a taste of Kansas City with uh, Martin City. Uh, anniversary stout to celebrate their seventh anniversary as well. I feel like I'll be missing now is some Kansas City barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. All I know is that it's an hour flight. I lived in Dallas and it's an hour flight to Kansas City. So I had a layover there and then I, fl- I flew down to Dallas, but I never actually kicked it in Kansas City. I mean, we were going to go, but then we started adding up the cost just for like one weekend for a couple of days. And it was like, wait, we could just hold off on that right now. But yeah. who knows? <laughs> We wanted to go to Kauffman Stadium, um, you know, to see the White Sox duke it out with the Kansas City Royals, who are actually in first place right now. Oh, um, but I tell you, man, a couple things about this uh, this Kansas City whiskey is that, um, you know, the sherry piece actually pays tribute to rectifiers of the day. So what if you look at this label, you know, this is almost the original label and the original monogram from the old Jay Rieger. Uh, whiskey company, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what really drew them into the project was that, you know, all the 
the branding and all the signage and all the artifacts were just really well done and they really caught your attention. So they didn't change any of it. And then um, they kept it on, on this new on this new rigger. So this is something that uh, was not on our radar. But, you know, when we started talking about it, I'm like, yo, I met these guys four years ago at Lawman and Eagle. And they were talking about this project, this bizarre project. Um, you know, this is a 15 year old sherry. And in addition to the Kansas City whiskey, they also released something called the monogram whiskey, mm-hmm. which is a little bit different. So um, they got really friendly with the with the guys that produce sherry. And the sherry guys gave them four of these bow ties. They're like these 1,500-liter, 100-year-old sherry tanks. Okay. Right. So then they do what's a fractional blending in those tanks, and that's the monogram series. So they take all those ingredients, you know, the rye, the, the light corn whiskey, the bourbon. They fill these bow ties, and then they fractionally blend it off and put it Put it aside in a batch. And then when that goes down, they fractionally fill it again. It's called a Solera method. So that's the extension of this product. Now, that at the time was only a thousand bottles every time because they didn't want to drain out the Soleras. But um, I think between that and this, they've got a really unique product. And then, you know, it's not like uh, if you're familiar with scotches or Irish whiskeys, they also use sherry cast to either mature their product or to finish their product. Mm -hmm. But they made it clear that this isn't really that because for those barrels for Irish whiskeys, they take a, they take a, they take a, a sherry barrel and season it, you know, let sherry sit in for two years and they sell it off to an Irish distillery. But with this, they're getting actual bottles of 15 year old sherry. And then they're actually blending it into the rye, light corn, and whiskey blend to create this product. So I'm actually pretty excited to try this. You said a whole word right there. So what's your honest assessment of this one? Like, I'm digging it. I do like the, uh, for me, it's the licorice vibes. I, I don't know why. I've always like kind of like licorice. Some people just, it's a hit and miss with them. Um, I like the sweetness of it. I don't get too much spice. Um, this is a sipper. This is a good sipper. Yeah, it's kind of a deconstructed bourbon, right? They took all these elements and they threw some sherry in it. And they and the reason why they put sherry in it is because the TTB said that you can have uh, American whiskey can have up to two percent sherry in it and still right. and still be classified as whiskey. This is almost like a boozy candy. Yeah, I get it, the sweetness. You know, it honestly kind of tastes like. Bourbons that, you know, have kind of like that sweet spot in the warehouse mm-hmm. where it's like, uh, you know, seven years old, but it was in the sweet spot in the warehouse. But so it's got these sweet candy flavors, but then it's still, you know, it's still got it's still aggressive enough to have a lot of the wood and a lot of the fun booze characters that, that you like, you know, the spice that that spicy booze that kind of comes off as cinnamon. Right. It's got a little bit of that in there, too. Mm-hmm. So. It's interesting. You know. How do you think it pairs with this Martin City that we're drinking? I will be interested. So if anybody is from from Riggers or Martin City, it will be interesting if you guys did a barrel-aged version of this beard. Or oh, did they send me one? I'm not exactly sure. Um, I have to check it out. But 
to age it in this uh, vigorous because of the sweetness from the from this particular whiskey. I think it would pair very well yeah. with what we're drinking now with this uh, anniversary stout. Yeah, I think those um those rich. Almost chocolate notes, mm-hmm. rich fruit, and then like a little bit of like a roasted walnut. I think that's really the most exciting part about this for me. And then hearing the story about, you know, 1820 pre-prohibition rectified whiskey that was about 90% of the market. You know, rectifiers end up getting a bad name because they were doing a bunch of weird shit to bourbon. You know, but then some rectifiers... We're just taking the bourbon a lot of, and, and, you know, just kind of putting their own stamp on it, you know? So, um, kind of in a way that, uh, a lot of folks get MGP source whiskey and put their own stamp on it now. You know, they put spring fed water in it like we'd had last week with the Sagamore, or they take it to Nevada like they do with the, uh, smoke wagon or Bull Run, Bull Run up in, uh, Oregon, you know, they, you know, they finished the shit in Cabernet Barrels. So if anybody is listening, my question, I mean, I mean it may be a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So if my, I was talking to Nick about this earlier. Water, when water comes into play, when it comes to the juice from NGP, does the water source matter or is it how much water um, is put in it? That's what I want to know. Does the water source matter? Yeah, yeah. I feel like... Because um, let's just say if you get... A barrel from NGP and you put maybe 25% water in that um, from that barrel and you put maybe 30%. Does it make a difference between those two and the flavors or is it the water source itself? Because we all understand that sometimes some certain streams in the, in America is more pure, is a flavor. It doesn't have all of the uh, toxins or the, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I do. Actually, I wouldn't want. I wouldn't want a bourbon for me if I found out I was drinking a bourbon. It had now, mind you, I work for the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District. I would not want a bourbon that that came from Lake Michigan. I would have a problem with that. Um, you know, most of the the number one ingredient in beer is water, and you know we you know we highlight Chicago breweries all the time. You know, and then top ingredient in those is water. Yeah, you know? but we're also not paying one hundred and fifty dollars for some for some beer, beer either. Oh, I thought you just meant Lake Michigan water in general. No, I mean like I'm talking about, especially when you get to like the higher price. Like if I found out I was drinking a bourbon and it was made with some Lake Michigan water, I would be pissed. Like, what the hell is going on? I mean, beer—that's a different story. It is what it is at this point. But bourbon and whiskey, when you get to the higher price points. I don't know. I think, um, you know, it was spring fed water from uh, Maryland. That was Sagamore. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, in New York, the Widow Jane that they always try to push on you when you go to Benny's. uh, They talk about an an upstate uh, water source kind of similar with a spring fed. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, I will say this. I don't really understand water, you know, like I like I should, like most people would. Mm -hmm. But I will say, like, you know. A cash strength offering from, say, Heaven Hill, a Kentucky distillery or Four Roses, um, you know, those cash strength offerings from there are different from cash strength offerings that I've had from MGP. And I don't know if it's the, you know, ingredients in the mash bill or the water, but there's something about 
the ones I've had, the limited ones I've had, we talk about this little kind of peppery, you know, uh, it's beyond a hug. Right, it's kind of that. a it's kind of a peppery burn, not in a bad way, not a jalapeno burn, but just like, like a, a you, like a dark like a black pepper kind of like burn. You're bite into a uncracked peppercorn. Yeah, yeah, where it's kind of you know has a numbing sensation a little bit, and that that don't have to be the water, but it's something I notice really from products not from Kentucky. It's specifically just a, a couple of MGP products. So you're trying to say that Kentucky got that Kentucky water. I mean, I'm just saying, like, the water plays a difference. I think that's what you're saying. Yeah. And I was just kind of saying, I don't know how much of a difference it plays versus the recipe, but it just in those in particular, I think there's definitely a difference when you get into the cash drink. I'm like, why does this cash drink burn? But then, you know, I drink uh, Booker's, and Booker's don't have the same. Elijah Craig Barrel Proof don't have the same kind of burn. Which is now, now since I'm on this, I don't know why the water's part is fascinating me because like now um i think back to like thornton distillery out there in thornton in the south suburbs where we both from you know down there it's like limestone water they have like a whole cave uh down there you know that's where we dig for that huge quarry so i'm interested to see just how much yeah, the water limestone plays. softens the water yeah removes impurities you know, yeah. um, on the on the beer side, we, Lake Lake Michigan is technically freshwater. Oh gosh! But like you know, like Shalanda's point, you know, Indiana and Wisconsin are legally allowed to dump into that water source because we all shared Lake Michigan together. So you know, the fresh is in air quotes. You know, fresh water is technically is technically freshwater, but you know, it it could mm-hmm. be prob is problematic. You know. Um, but you know, a lot of times though, a lot of brewers, that's why there's like more breweries here than any other city because brewers see a fresh water source and they say, Hey, all I got to do is, um, essentially boil this water, maybe treat it a little bit and I'm ready to go. It's not like brewing with salt water from the ocean, <laughs> which you cannot use because there's too much fucking salt in it, you know? And so it's, it's definitely better than that. So that's what I mean by it's, it's a better option for, 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 uh, a booze product. You know what I mean? So this is why I keep you around. <sighs> so um, this Jay Rieger man, um, Kansas City history started as a whole started as a started with prohibition happening forty years before the real prohibition. Okay, you can't drink. You cannot drink. Um, the Kansas City boys went and started a distillery on the Missouri side. Then they built a hotel to really get it popping. You know, they had ads and newspapers, so they had a huge base of 100 recipes and, you know, 200,000 fans. Um, and then it all got wiped out by the real prohibition in 1919 and then got resurrected by a James Beard awarded chef almost 100 years later. And now we get to drink it today and talk about it. Boom. There you go. So, oh, that's interesting, man. Uh, Kansas City is just about an hour flight, about six hours away from here, seven hours away from here. Shit, it's an eight hour drive for us. It's eight hours? Oh, yeah. Because we're we, um, far, far away. Far, 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 far away. Yeah, it's about an eight hour drive for Nick because I wasn't going to drive it, but for Nick, yeah. But yeah, man, I've seen this. I, I only had the um, monogram once. And um, so if anybody's listening, if you can get your hands on the bottle of monogram, Please let me know because I'm so interested in trying to taste it now. We might be able to work something out. You know, I think there's something to be said about, you know, these whiskeys that have these different flavor profiles that are still good, 
which is different from everything. 90% of shit comes from Kansas. I mean, from, sorry, I'm looking at the bottle that says Kansas. <laughs> oh, it's a slip out. 90% <laughs> of the shit, none of this, 90% of the whiskey on the shelf comes from, uh, you know, from Kentucky. Yeah. So trying products that are not Kentucky products that are good is something I'm kind of curious about, mm-hmm. you know? So I give this a lot of credit for that. They put a lot of effort into what they did. Um, even into the gin, they talk about how they hired a, uh, and we put all, we put all this in the story. They, they hired the uh, retired, uh, Diageo master distiller who, uh, created Tangeray. Sipping on gin and juice. He made Tangeray for 40 years. I mean, years. that's how I know. I was never really a gin person. Yeah. Um, but I do know that whole song, Sipping on, but Hendrix is like my jam. Mm-hmm. But hey. But yeah, man. Um, this fucking, uh, Jay Rieger. Kansas City whiskey um, with a little bit of sherry in it. The real deal sherry is really good. And um, it's on the shelves here in Chicago. So if you see it and you're looking for something fun, I would say grab it, man. I say this is a crowd pleaser. And shout out to everyone we've ever interacted on the socials that are from Kansas City. And um, yeah, man, happy to be talking about these shits this week on the show. Yeah. Thank you guys for... um for reaching out and, you know, sending beer mail and Nigel for attempting to send beer mail. I will say this. I can't. Yeah, I can't really. I think I kind of did give him the wrong zip code. I do apologize for that. But it's still sitting in Chicago. They should know it should come here. But hey, thank you again, Nigel. Thank you again, Captain Cork, for sending this uh, amazing beer and bourbon package with uh, the barcades. Yeah. I got to send him my folk music final. That's that Midwestern hospitality right there, bud. Well, in all fairness, he understood I was trying to do the whole real estate thing. He told me, hey, take your time. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I think that that's all I have, Shalana. Do we have anything else? Um, Is there any more? That's all we have. No? That's all I have, Shalana. That's all you have? Yeah. You sure? Um, oh, yeah, well, that's all we have. I can say it again if you want. No, it's hot as hell in here. And, uh, yeah. yeah. So, until next week, you guys, you know, you can catch new episodes on the website. Sign on your social, whatever you podcast on Mondays. Um, you can catch us collectively at the Port. You can catch me individually talking shit at Afro Beer Chick on all mm. the social medias. And where can they find your brown ball headed ass at? Hey man, I'm on Twitter at Nicosio. Well, there you are. Until next time, you guys, peace out.